0: Welcome to the Scale to Sale podcast, where we'll be hearing stories from successful founders across the Salesforce ISV ecosystem. My name's James Gasteen, myself a former Salesforce ISV founder and now leading the charge at UNARIC, where we're building a larger suite of apps on the Salesforce platform. In each episode, we'll hear from Trailblazing founders, from how they got started. All the way through to where they are today, or even when they exited. I've certainly enjoyed these conversations, and I hope you do too. Hello, and welcome to today's Sale to Scale podcast, where I'm joined by Gordon Durr, who's the founder of Accountability, better known for products such as Elton and Scan Anything. Gordon, thanks for joining us on the show today. My pleasure, James. Just before we get started, it'd be great to hear a bit more about your background and then we can delve in a little bit more into uh, some of the questions uh, I'd love to uh, ask you.
1: Sure. So I had an inventory control software company uh, for 20 some years and sold that back in 1996. And that's actually we were Salesforce customers at that time and we we basically built the what is the basis of our product at that time just for our internal use just to track assets right and then started this company and uh, really focused on the asset tracking market initially
0: brilliant yeah i love those uh, scratch scratch the itch origin stories i had a similar one in my first yeah. business where we were consultants using spreadsheets and thought there must be a better way than excel So, uh, yeah, that's great. Maybe talk to us a little bit more around, like, how did you identify the pain point? You know, building a product is one thing, but, like, understanding the pain, the the financial pain, the customer pain, uh, and how you kind of identified that.
1: Right. So, like I said, we entered the market as an asset tracking product uh, linked to Salesforce. And that was kind of our key was we wanted to be in that Salesforce ecosystem. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of our early customers, I think our second or third customer, was in the medical industry space. And in the medical space, asset tracking includes another aspect called loan management. So there'll be Mm -hmm. loaning equipment for evaluation purposes to prospective customers, Mm -hmm. linking them to the opportunity record and trying to track conversions. Like, did we win because we demoed this piece of equipment or not? Mm -hmm. And of course, medical and scientific, they've got stricter regulations. So there's some compliance reporting. There's a whole bunch of other stuff. And that became the niche that we kind of focused on and the problem is that we tried to solve for those customers.
0: And did you find, was that a hypothesis when you set up your business? Or was that something that early
1: customers kind of pulled you into and you discover that niche? Absolutely. We got dragged in there, um, there, the customer yeah. like you're so close, but not quite there. And so okay, well, what do we need to do to get there for you? So that was, was really enlightening and quite exciting really. Cause it's a, it's a fast paced industry, the medical industry yeah it's
0: often the best way when you've got, you've got something and the customer's pulling it in almost telling you you're solving the wrong problems. here's the right one. it's not called this call it that, and yep. guess what I'll pay for it yeah exactly. and then really kind of you know if you think about you know you got a bootstrap business, what were some of those initial maybe challenges you know of, of setting up your business bootstrap but also kind of trying to navigate maybe multiple uh you know use cases multiple potential industries
1: yeah i mean the the balance was difficult um salesforce was. Uh, and the Salesforce AEs are quite difficult to connect with, so we were having a difficult time trying to understand how do we relate with the Salesforce team going into a prospect. Uh, and then, like you said, the prospects are telling us different things as well. So it was really a game of trying to balance where we saw the potential growth and where we where we were successful already, and trying to replicate that success and focus on the growth areas that we, we saw the most strength in.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it is, you can spread yourself very thin with Salesforce, trying to manage yeah. all the different teams. And especially now it's kind of the industry focus and you're trying to say, okay, I need to be industry focused. I need to manage my SIs, right. work with my PAM. Uh, and then, you know, I still got to make sure I get some sleep and build a profits. Yeah. And talk to us, how did you acquire your first customer? Was that, again, kind of serendipity? Was it app exchange? Was it a part of what that your, yourself?
1: Yeah, we we really just built an AppExchange listing and uh, and waited. Um, now I I knew two other customers who were Salesforce users. They wound up not being customers, but connected with them, had them demo the product, and so they installed the trial. You know, the thirty day trial that's kind of standard in mm-hmm. the AppExchange world, and got some feedback on the on the product itself, and then kind of got reviews posted, and and then the one builds on the. It, on its on on itself, right? So we've really focused on reviews for marketing. Uh, we've got mm-hmm. just over right around a hundred customers, and we've got fifty seven reviews, all by, all but one or five stars. So we've really focused on getting good reviews as being a key to our marketing.
0: And in terms of like you know that's part of like you know, the marketing, but in terms of other types of marketing strategies. What else have you found to be effective within Salesforce? Did you try events? Did you try, uh, you know, co-marketing with other partners? What else was successful for you in terms of yeah, applying customers? Yeah,
1: AppExchange is absolutely our most successful place to go. I mean, that mm-hmm. maintaining that listing and having the good content on the listing, high levels of reviews has been the number one success. We did attend Dreamforce mm-hmm. as an exhibitor once. Um, because our product is kind of horizontal in nature we found it difficult to really get a lot out of the dreamforce event just a lot of people yeah. and a lot of chatter but not a lot of sales um, other events no we've we've not attended the smaller like the regional you know world tour events we have not attended. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yeah,
0: that makes a lot of sense. And then they're just talking about the app exchange. You know, I speak to a lot of founders on on a daily basis. Yeah, I hear different things about how it's changed recently. Like, what's your kind of experience as to kind of how it's changed? You've been in the ecosystem for a while. When it was yeah. maybe kind of like you know overflowing with leads to maybe today where there's that many apps where fighting for customer attention. You know, the the leads start to either dry up or the qualities change. What, what's your kind of experience been?
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. The last year, year and a half, the the lead funnel has really dropped off on the app exchange uh, and I think it's partly the the search algorithm has been changed a little yep. bit and part of it is that there is like you say that's that flood of applications now I think it's difficult for people to find an appropriate app mm-hmm. so we're we're monitoring keywords trying to make sure that our listing is responding to the words that our customers look for but yeah mm-hmm. it's been a different uh, different ride for the last year and a half or so
0: yeah no definitely I hear that as well. And in terms of your kind of, you know, your your journey then, what are some of those kind of unexpected hurdles during the, you know, the the Elton journey and kind of what lessons did you learn?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so definitely the most difficult hurdle we had was getting our largest customer on board, and it was a legal hurdle. Uh, their yeah. contracts were just unbelievable, something like I'd never seen before, and I've been in the software <laughs> game for 40 years. So we had to pay a fairly high price in terms of legal bills just to get that contract yeah. nailed down. But they've been a great customer, and uh, you know we just had to kind of bite the bullet and do the work right yeah now it
0: always makes me laugh when you're trying to sign up an enterprise customer and they give you a contract yeah. certain terms and conditions for my product, do you think, well, hang on a minute, yeah. I'm providing the service, not you, so why am I signing your contract? Yeah. And sometimes it's kind of give and take, and you can see how, you know, small bootstrap vendors either kind of maybe pass at it or, or drown in the admin. Okay. Uh, no, I mean, that that's that's, that that's that's a great story. I mean, looking back, is there anything that you would have done differently in the early stages of your startup?
1: Yeah, you know, what's, what I've found challenging over the time with, with the product is we've tried to include new features that Salesforce has added into the development organization and mm-hmm. sometimes those kind of shoot us in the foot um yeah quite frankly, because you know even just look at automation salesforce went from workflow rules to process builder and now we're on visual yeah. flow and so you know if we have workflow rules and process builder in our in our managed package that would be a problem we'd have to be migrating those over so that one of the things that we learned not quite soon enough but early enough that we've we've prevented most of the mess is we don't have a lot of that stuff in our package. Our packages is mm-hmm. just really core code, business logic, and then we let the customers customize using the automation tools.
0: And is there anything around, like, you know, some of the other founders I speak to, they often say, you know, I-, I wish maybe I had a bit more focus to start with. H- how, yeah. how does that resonate with you in terms of either maybe picking an industry, picking a, a segment and just saying, let's go and get 20 of the same customers before we start? Spreading ourselves too thin.
1: I, I totally understand what you're saying, but we kind of got dragged into that with this medical uh, client. Yeah, so we were fortunate; we got our focus given to us by one of our early clients, <laughs> and then we were able to replicate that success. And so we, we kind of skipped that that lack. We we found that market quickly, and we adapted to it quickly, and and mm-hmm. it was super successful for us.
0: And then also, if you think about kind of a, a parallel, you know, Elton accountability universe where. Maybe as one with with funding and and VCs behind. Is there anything else that you maybe you could have done, maybe quicker, faster, more of that, you know, you now think actually if I'd had, you know, certain resources earlier on uh, or at certain points I could have done more?
1: Absolutely, I think we could have pursued both markets equally strong. I mean instead of focusing on the medical and loan market equipment mm-hmm. loaning, we could have been doing the asset tracking market as well, which we've still got asset tracking customers, but we kind of picked them up as a result of just finding them on the app exchange. There's been no active pursuing of those particular customers. I think if we'd have had some funding, we could have actually gone after both markets equally well. Mm-hmm. And you don't know, want to scan anything, which is our other little add on product, was another thing where customers were telling us, we want to be able to scan barcodes, but we're not tracking equipment. We just want to be able to scan the barcode and do something yep. with it. So we separated our scanning technology from the core product, added it as a component within the flow builder so that nice. anybody can scan a barcode and do something with it within a flow. And again, mm-hmm. that's just something that customers were telling us they wanted. Yeah.
0: And then when you've obviously got the one company, two products, two side different use cases, yeah. did that present any, any challenges around kind of positioning and messaging and saying, Hey, we're accountability. We do, you know, uh, we do, we do everything. You know, yep. H- yep. how did you, how did you think about that? Cause I, I see a lot of products. Absolutely. including My first company, you know, we had, we had yeah, two I'm... products. We had our initial one. We merged with another one Then we had three combinations. Great. And it's just trying to tell the market what you stand for
1: in a succinct yeah. manner. Tricky for sure. And we, we have, we suffered from that exact problem where, you know, we have these two different products that are contained within one product. With mm-hmm. two different sets of messaging required. All we could come up with really was to, again, on the app exchange listing, have slides that addressed each of those marketplaces, uh, yep. with a single product, right? Now, recently, mm-hmm. uh, Salesforce is now permitting multiple listings for the same package. So we can take a yep. different approach, a much better approach now. And that means what well, you could almost play the, the industry card and say, Hey, we're in the medical space.
0: Right. We play nicely with the health cloud. Here's all our case studies and have a very precise story.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then another story for asset tracking, right? So two listings, mm-hmm. one package, and you can have the stories well separated and targeting the market correctly. hmm brilliant.
0: And then, I mean, lo- looking back, I mean, what would you have done maybe kind of, you know, differently, um, you know, now, now that you've got the wisdom of, you know, positioning and messaging and products and industries, especially now how, you know, mature the ecosystem is maybe,
1: yeah, I think we would have done some more aggressive outbound marketing into the yeah. the health and, and scientific spaces. I think we really could have grown there much faster. We grew mostly by word of mouth and app exchange listing capabilities. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if I would known how valuable the market was and how well our product suited that particular requirement, uh, we should have invested in some outbound marketing into the, that industry.
0: Yeah, no, I see a lot where, you know, uh, founders... Actually, you've got a product, you know, App Exchange is working well. It's like, great, let's just take advantage of it. And then sometimes it dries up. And it's really, I think, focusing on both those channels because obviously you're building up all that data around Salesforce customers every time there's a leads installed and someone's checking the demo yeah. and then doing something with that data, right? So again, I was totally guilty of it in my first business. We were sitting on a pile of data of people who were asking for installs and raising their hand, and we just didn't do anything. So uh, yeah, yeah t- totally agree. And I think that's one that won, won the scene again. And really, kind of, we think kind of going forward, like, what, how do you envision the future of kind of apps and in Salesforce, ISV apps and, you know, how are you thinking about some of those changes, especially with the way that Salesforce is changing?
1: Yeah, you know, I I think the focus I, I think as partners with Salesforce we need to look at what they're doing, which of course is market centric, right? So they're focusing on yeah. the different clouds, financial cloud, healthcare cloud, etc. And I think we need to look at how we market alongside of those. Clouds and, and how to penetrate into those particular finance, you know, or various markets, right? Not just finance, but healthcare, insurance, et cetera. And for us, that means specifically there's opportunities in asset tracking, traditional asset tracking. And then in other clouds, there's there's the loan management becomes key. And so I think we need to kind of marry our strategy of our products along with the various clouds. Like retail cloud, for example, is an excellent opportunity for scanning anything. Our little utility, so sure. exactly. right? So I think it's just a question of taking our three products or the three focuses, two products, and uh, and aligning it with the clouds that Salesforce is focused on. And do you see opportunity with the the Viva uh, conscious uncoupling
0: that's happening with Salesforce yeah. in terms of that space, and maybe opportunity for Elton and other you know Salesforce and other ISVs?
1: Yeah, I think I think there is an opportunity there, and and it's it's interesting to watch the ecosystem go through such phenomenal growth and maturity, uh, where mm-hmm. companies are really started, you know, just as ISVs like like myself, and are now looking at completely different market spaces.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, totally. and then kind of lastly, just a couple of kind of other ones.
0: Like what do you, what's one kind of piece of advice you wish someone had given you when you were Starting out as an ISV founder, or maybe another way, like what piece of advice would you maybe give another founder starting out?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it may be invalid now because of the way App Exchange works. But I, you know, my I wish I had known how App Exchange was going to be the key to our success early on. I felt we were going to be able to connect with the AEs and get in, introduced into accounts. And the motivation 11 years ago, just wasn't there from from an A's perspective to introduce us into an account. We're not a high revenue product. Uh, so yeah. really what we contribute to an account is stickiness. So, you know, if they're in there using our product, the chances of them leaving the Salesforce ecosystem are decreased. Uh, but we're not doing a lot of quota retirement for the rep. So, you know, a, for us, AE connections, I thought that was the way we were going to be successful. It turns out app mm-hmm. exchange was the way it's going to we were going to be successful. I'm not sure that's still true today, James. I think it might've changed.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think one, one of the, one of the, the words I hear over and over again that I think about is like license drag, which is like, how can an app help an AE sell a a core Salesforce cloud and really bring that to the party? And it's really like, okay, what's that, what's that message? What's that case study that, you know, this ISV app plus the core cloud solves a much bigger problem kind of out of the box, especially without the need for long, a long service timeline. So it's like, right, if you buy uh, this app plus this cloud, you're actually going to get your outcome a lot quicker than necessarily spending, you know, 12, 18 months with a global consultancy kind of maybe right. getting there, maybe not getting there. Right. I think there is definitely some uh, expectation calibration that potentially Salesforce need to do when it comes to founders. And I meet quite a few who are kind of, oh, well, you know, Salesforce aren't doing this for me. And I kind of think, well, you know, why would they? But <laughs> either they, either, either they, they heard something or they felt they heard something. Whereas I think there's definitely a kind of a, a game to be played in the ecosystem. And I think for me, it's, it's one around visibility and awareness. So it's almost a case of being, being in the right place at the right time, people being aware of you so that when someone says asset tracking, it's Gordon, right. um, which is a tricky thing to do because you've got to be, you know, all places at once. Yeah. But again, it's very much a, a visibility play, very much a marketing play, uh, than necessarily that sales play where again, trying to manmark AEs. They'll change territory every 12 months, if that. So again, making friends with AEs, you've got to try and get some runs on the board very quickly. Whereas, you know, the SE route may, for example, sales engineers I've seen be very successful. And again, some of those community events where you've got influencers who may be, you know, MVPs who are freelance consultants working on big client accounts who are recommending products and looking proactively to solve problems. They don't have budget, but they can bring you in. Yeah. And really, you know, just trying to figure out across those those stakeholders who is going to be the most influential.
1: Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense to me. We've had some success with SEs uh, where they they put us in their demo kit and they, they talk about us on a regular basis. And, yeah, I mean, you're right. The influencing of, of marketing doesn't need to be the AE themselves.
0: Thank you very much for being on the show. If anyone wants to find out more about Elton, then check out com or check out... Elton on the app exchange.